And church, listen to me. We all carry burdens and we all have distractions. And I'm not sure about you, but it seems like on Sunday mornings, the enemy and our human nature wants to distract us, wants to tell us that we're not good enough, wants to say you need to worry about this, that, or the other, and it keeps us from having a true heart of worship, and it keeps us from hearing the word of God. And so right now as we go to prayer, whatever you're carrying right now, give it to the Lord. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, at times, we carry things. And God, we're holding on to things. But right now, Lord, I want to lift my family up to you. Lord, these are my new friends. And I ask, Lord, that you help cleanse our minds right now. That you will clear our thoughts and you will prepare our hearts to receive you, God. Because the Holy Spirit's already here. We feel your presence. Do not allow the distractions in my life, God, to prevent me from receiving you and experience you during this time of worship. Help us, Lord, as we study this fourth commandment. Help us right now to find rest in you. As we go to your word, we ask, Lord, that you reveal something new to each and every one of us. And it's in your glorious name that we pray. And everybody said it. Amen. Church, if you will, get your Bibles out with me. And if you will, you know where we're at. If you remember, go to Exodus chapter 20. And for five weeks now, this is week number five, we have been talking about the Ten Commandments. And we have been in this series, but we're on the fourth commandment today. But to help recap, we have gone through three of the commandments, right? Number one, we talked about how we got to put God first in our life, right? God has to be number, he has to be number one. And if he's not number one in your life, listen to me, the rest of these do not matter, okay? It, it is not until you put God first in your life that you will realize that your priorities are completely out of whack, all right? God's got to be number one. And once we put him as number one, our priorities will fall into pr- proper perspective, all right? So listen to me. As we go through this list, you may be thinking, well, preacher, I, I'm good on this one, I'm good on this one, I'm good on this one, but I'm not good on the first one. Listen, you got to get right. God's got to be number one in your life which then carries us into number two. We can't put anything before God. We cannot make things into an idol. We worship things in our life, unfortunately, a whole list of things that we have a tendency, our focus is on those things, whatever it may be. You might be thinking, well, preacher, I don't have any idols. I don't, I don't, I don't make things. I don't sit it on an altar. I don't. No, you may be right. We don't do that nowadays, but we do make other things into idols, right? It's what's holding your focus. What is keeping your attention? What are you loving? What are you putting before God? Because whatever it is, that's your idol, church. And then last week, so we gotta put God first. We can't put anything in front of God. And that last week, we talked about, we gotta watch our mouths, don't we? We gotta be careful what we say. Now, and I think I mentioned this last week, but, but it's not just what we say, it's also how we live, right? I believe I mentioned that to you last week, and if I didn't, I'm mentioning it to you now. But it's also how we live our life, right? Because you can claim to be a Christian. Oh, I'm a, I'm a Christian. Well, what does that mean? Well, I'm a Christ follower. Well, may, sometimes we don't really mirror that, do we? We say, I'm a Christ follower, and then we, we leave these four walls. Oh, preacher, yeah, you're right. I'm a, I, I follow God. Preacher, yes, absolutely, Sunday school teacher. I follow God, and then we leave here, and then, do we? 
Now that's not to call anybody out, all right? I never preach sermons that, I, that, I'm, that, 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 that I'm trying to accuse anybody. Half the time, my sermons are God working something on my life, and I said, well, if it's working for me, maybe it's gonna work for them. So I present it to you guys. But we need to check ourselves, right? If we're gonna profess Christianity, we need to make sure we're living it because you can also take the Lord's name in vain by your actions. You can claim to be a Christian, but if you're not living right, are you really modeling his name correctly? And then also, you gotta be careful about your mouth, church, okay? Because you can hurt people with your mouth. You can hurt God with your mouth. The tongue is hard to tame, but that thank goodness for the power of the Holy Spirit, amen, church? Because the Holy Spirit can do anything. And the power of the Holy Spirit can teach us how to tame our tongue, all right? And if you're like the preacher, there's a lot, my wife's gonna say amen on this. There's a lot of time the preacher has to tame his tongue, all right? Very quiet whenever I say that. But it's true, we gotta tame our tongues. So then what we're gonna do now is we're gonna jump into the fourth commandment. And, and we've been going through this and we've been talking about becoming people of godly character, right? In order to be people of godly character, we are going down this journey of life and we're traveling down this road. We're, 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 we're head, heading a direction that maybe sometimes we shouldn't be going. So, so we take the roadmap that God has given us is what we're calling God's Big Ten or the Ten Commandments. And the Ten Commandments are God's guidelines. They look, if you wanna be my people, if you wanna model after me, if you wanna model after Jesus Christ, this is how you gotta do it, all right? This is how you have to do it. But God also understands that we're not perfect. Okay, apparently you all are perfect. <laughs> Lean to your neighbor and say, you ain't perfect. And if anyone in here is wondering what yank means, it is you are not. You are not, church, listen to me, you are not perfect. I am not perfect. There are times when we stumble. There are times when we fail. There are times where we make mistakes. There are times, and hear me, that we make choices that are not right. And along the way, when we're traveling down this road, I have not found it in scripture. And if you have, please show it to me. It doesn't say it's gonna be easy. There's gonna be obstacles. There's gonna be trials. And when we come across those, sometimes we don't make the right choice unfortunately, because we're not perfect, and God understands that we're not perfect. And so what he has done is he has recognized that we need a maintenance schedule. That sometimes, right, so, so when, you're, when you're traveling down a road in your car, there are moments when you have those lights that come up on a dashboard, or your car starts making a funny noise, and, and all of a sudden your tire blows out, and you realize, oh man, I, I should have maintained my car. Same thing in our spiritual life. We're going down this road, we're traveling down this journey, and all of a sudden we look in the mirror and we realize, I need some maintenance. My check engine light's flashing. There's something not right. My body is making noises it didn't used to make, kind of like cars do. One of the greatest lessons that my dad ever taught me is vehicle maintenance. Now, if you know anything about my father, he is OCD when it comes to his truck. You could literally eat off of his dashboard. Actually, am I right? It is, it is scary. So he taught me how to clean my cars. First off, if you ever get in my truck, you realize, man, this guy keeps his car clean. It, it was bred into me to do that. But he also taught me the importance of a maintenance schedule. Also, when you're taking long trips, my dad always taught me, he goes, change your oil, make sure your fluids are topped off, make sure you rotate your tires, make sure there's air in your tires take care of your vehicle and it'll take care of you. It'll get you where you're going, right? 
And so on long trips, while my wife is at home making sure everything's good to go, it annoys her because I will spend an entire day making sure my vehicle is ready to go. And ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you something, knock on wood, we have never broken down on a long road trip. Now that's not to say we've never broken down. Did you hear me? We've never broken down a long road trip. But our vehicles need a maintenance schedule. We have to follow a maintenance schedule because the purpose of it is to keep our vehicles at peak performance, right? It helps with longevity. It helps to keep your vehicle running for a long time. It keeps it running properly. And as we approach this fourth commandment, we see that God is placing our spirit on a maintenance schedule. God is saying, look, I get it. You're you're working hard. There's a lot going on. You're, You're getting hammered with things. But here's what I need you to do. I need you to check yourself. I need you to make sure that you're taken care of. Because we always hear preachers get up here, you gotta do this, you gotta do this, you gotta do this, right? And, and we work, we work, we work. But there's a point where God says, look, you need to slow down. You, you need to take care of yourself. Because eventually you're gonna break down and you're gonna end up on the side of the road not knowing what to do. And so what God does, he gives us the first three, he says, look, you've got it. It is, it is all about putting God first, do not make idols. But then look, look, the Sabbath, it's about me, but also I'm here to take care of you. And so let's go to scripture, if you will. Turn with me to Exodus chapter 20, verse eight. It says, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. And I know when preachers get up here, sometimes we like to use big Bible words and we throw things out there and we're like sitting back, well, well preacher, what does that mean? Well, let me explain to you, ready? Remember the Sabbath day by, pe- by keeping it holy. Holy can mean reserved for or set aside for. You might say that it refers to being unique, being special, being extraordinary, different from all else or all others. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it special, by keeping it unique, by making it different from all other days. And, and, and so, so in order to do this, a lot of times you know, we, we tell you these things and then we just say, okay, now leave and go, 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 go about your business. But that's not what God does, does he? God says, okay, look, this is what you have to do, but let me help you do it. How can we, how can we keep the Sabbath day? How can we keep it holy? What, is, what does that mean? Well, we do that by following God's three-step maintenance plan. God has laid out for us here in this fourth commandment a maintenance schedule for us to make sure that we're good to go. And I know what you're thinking. Yes, finally, I get taken care of. Well, you might not like the first step of this, okay? The first step in God's maintenance schedule is you've got to work. Go to verse nine. There's not a lot of amens on that one, is there? Preacher, what do you mean I got to work? Yeah, unfortunately, that's what it says. Verse nine, look what it says. Six days you shall labor and do all of your, say it with me, church, work. Oh my goodness, we love that word, don't we? For six days, you're going to labor and you're going to work. Well, preacher, I thought this was God taking care of me. He is. And he's telling you to get off the couch and go to work. Go all the way back to the garden, if you will, with me. So here we are in the garden, and, and God has created everything, and he's created the earth, and, and here he has placed man. He's placed Adam in the garden. And here's what God tells Adam. I'm paraphrasing. This is a story or what I call an illustration. So here is Adam, he's in the garden. And God says, all right, Adam, listen to me, bub. You gotta work. And Adam goes, okay, great. 
So here's Adam. He's working hard. He's taking care of all the animals. He's, he, he, he's, he's grooming them, and he's giving each one of them a name, and this is taking a long time, and Adam goes, man, I'm kind of tired. My goodness. Okay, God, let's keep going. Okay, so he's naming the animals. He's grooming them, and God goes, okay, well, just don't focus on the animals. I need you to focus on the garden, too. So God, okay, Adam's okay, fine. So he goes and trims the trees, and he takes care of the bushes, and he's tending the garden, and God says, okay, that, you got the animal. Don't forget about them, too, and Adam, okay, fine. I'll go take care of the animals. I'll take care of the tree. And Adam goes, God, I need to be able to sleep. And goes, okay, that's fine. You can have a place to rest, but you got to build it. Build yourself a house. And Adam goes, okay, fine. I'll build myself a house. And so here's Adam working himself, just working, working, working. And Adam, God, I'm kind of tired. And God goes, okay. And Adam, God, I'm kind of lonely too. And so God goes, okay. So here's what I'm going to do. I'll make a proposition for you. And Adam goes, okay. He goes, I'm going to create the most beautiful thing you've ever seen. And Adam gets kind of excited. He goes, well, what do you mean, God? He goes, no, no, you're tired, right? He goes, yeah, I'm doing all the work by myself. And God goes, okay, I'm gonna give you someone to help you too. And it's gonna be perfect. It's gonna be beautiful. And, and she's gonna help you with all your labors, all your work. And Adam's excited. He goes, oh, that's awesome. He goes, well, well what is it? And God goes, it's woman. And it's gonna be your greatest gift you've ever seen, and, and it's going to be the most beautiful thing to ever walk this earth, and Adam, Adam's excited. He's like, I, I want that. Oh, come on, God, give it to me, and he goes, well, well first, God, hold, hold on now. What, what's that going to cost me? And Adam, God's like, what do you mean? And Adam goes, well, is it going to cost me an arm and a leg, God? And God just kind of stares at him. He goes, I'll make a deal with you, God. What can I get for a rib? But God gave, God gave woman to man, right? And what did God do? God said, look, you gotta work the earth. You gotta labor, both man and woman. We've got, we've got to spend time working and we've gotta, gotta labor. And God, God knows that in this maintenance schedule, he says, you've gotta work till it's quitting time. You've gotta work until the bell rings. You cannot stop. I need you to work and work and work. And Paul tells us that in order to provide for our families, we've gotta do what? We've gotta work, right? In order to provide for the needy, in order for, listen to me, in order for us, the church, we're studying this on, on Wednesday nights, who's the church? We are, right? The church is not a building, it's the people. And in order for the people to have enough to help the needy, because we always talk about, well, we gotta, have, we gotta help the needy, we gotta help the needy. Well, in order to do that, we've gotta be able to bring some stuff in, right? And if we're not working and earning, how are we ever gonna have enough to help the needy? So if you wanna help them, how can you do that if we don't have anything to help them with? So we've got to provide for our family. We've got to keep working to be able to help the needy. And, second, and thirdly, listen to this. Working helps with our Christian witness. Did you know that? People don't respect laziness. Did you hear me this morning, church? People don't respect laziness at all. And so if, if, if non-believers see just a group of lazy people that sit back and judge everybody, do you ever think we're gonna be able to witness to them? Yes, no, maybe, or somewhere in between. Come on, church. How are we ever gonna be able to be the witnesses that God's called us to be if all we're doing is sitting on our couch and not doing anything? If we wanna help the needy, we gotta earn some stuff to be able to give it to them. If we wanna be, be a proper witness, we gotta show people that this our faith, it takes work, it takes effort. People are not gonna respect us if we're lazy, church. We've gotta work. The first step in God's maintenance schedule is we've gotta work. Solomon tells us to do our work to the best of our ability. In Proverbs, he praises the work ethic of the ant who is busy with the harvest. We've been called to work, church. We've been called to provide for our families. 
And so we've got to work till it's quitting time. But I need you to hear me this morning. Are you listening? Because this is the step that a lot of people shut down on. Oh, pastor said I got to work some more, right? That's all I tell. This is what preachers do, right? We tell you to work and give money. That's all, that's all preachers say. We need you to work. You got you to volunteer and you got to give us some more money, all right? No, listen, step two's coming, okay? So just bear with me. Step one is you have to work. Lean over to your neighbor and say, you got to get to work. All right, we, we've got it. We, we, you have to. You got to work, church. But listen to me. You work till it's quitting time. And hear me when I say this. When it's quitting time, quit. Now, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. You workaholics, you know who you are. When it's, work, when it's quitting time, you quit. When it's time to work, you get to work. God said for the six days, you're going to labor and you're going to work. But when it's time to quit, you quit. You stop. You lay it aside. Because church, here I'm going to tell you this. There's more to life than work. I don't know who I'm talking to this morning. But did you hear me? There's more to life than work. God has called us step two in his maintenance plan. Step one, you got to work. You have to. Don't be lazy. Get out there and work. Step two is you got to rest. Did you hear me, church? When it's time to quit, quit. Go to verse 10 with me. Verse 10, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither, neither you nor your son nor your daughter nor your maidservant nor your, uh, nor your manservant nor your maidservant nor your animals nor the alien within your gates. He says you've got to stop. On the seventh day you've got to not work. Take a breath, relax, and allow yourself to recover from the work that you've been doing. Because he says this because God understands the human body. God understands who we are and he understands if we're going to have it's just like our vehicles if we're going to have longevity what we have to do for our vehicles we got to take care of them right if we want to have longevity if we want to do the work of the lord for long periods of time he understands you've got to stop every now and then and you've got to rest and god takes this commandment so seriously listen to me he is the prime example for this god himself is the example for this did you know that in six days, he created the heavens and the earth. He created everything. He created the entire universe. He created man and woman. He created absolutely everything. And on the seventh day, what did he do? He rested, didn't he? Why do you think God rested? Do you think it was because he was tired? Right? Oh, man, the, the creator of the universe, pow more powerful than anything. He was tired, right? Come on, church. God wasn't tired. Why did he rest? He rested to give us an example. God himself was serving as an example. He changed his pace to introduce his maintenance plan for you and I. He's serious about this. I mean, if you read there, look how long this commandment is compared to the rest of them. It's a long commandment. It's longer than the rest of them. God takes, he takes the fourth commandment very serious. He says, look, you, you've got to stop, otherwise you're going to burn out. He goes, look what I did. He goes, I, rest, I, I was serving as an example to you. God knows that the human body, we, we have this desire in us to go and to go and to go and to go. I mean, look at your calendar, all right? We, we schedule this, we schedule that, we plan this, we plan that, we work, we work, we work, and then we go home and we study, and then we go home and we continue watching TV, and then, and then we stay up all nights, of the, you know, all hours of the night doing what? I don't even know, but we don't rest. And then we wake up at six o'clock in the morning, like, man, I'm kind of tired. Yeah, because you didn't sleep. 
and we work ourselves to the bone, and then all of a sudden we come and the pastor says, I need you to volunteer, I need you to work, and you're like, no. What do you mean I gotta, I, I gotta, I gotta come here and help the church? You see, God knows in order for us to be able to do his work, there's gotta be times we sit back and we take a breath and we rest. And so here's what I want you to do. I want you to leave here, right? We always leave here with a whole list of things to do. I want you to leave here today. The preacher told me I can take a nap. I'm giving you permission to do that today. Go home and rest. I, and I don't know what kind of rest you guys have, but listen to me. God understands. He knows. He rem- he's talking to the Hebrew children here, right? These are people who have spent generations in slavery. The, the Hebrew children, they knew how to work. They understood what work was. I mean, they worked all the time and slave labor. And they, and they worked and they worked and they worked and God understood that they, they're, they're afraid to rest because they've been spent time in slavery and when they rested, they would have gotten in trouble. And so God is telling them, look, okay, you're no longer in slavery. You're no longer bound by those chains. You're now my children, you're, you're, you're free. Now take a breath and relax because I, I got plans for you and I need you to recover. And so church, listen to me too. We, we have to pre- practice longevity and in order to do that, we've got to take care of ourselves. And I don't, I don't know, when, you say, when I say rest, I don't know what that looks like for you. If, if you want to see me rest, give me a fishing pole, put me on the boat, and please don't talk to me. All right? You want to know how your preacher rests? That's how I rest. Oh, it might, it, I can literally spend hours on, on the side of a lake not catching anything, just sitting there staring at the water. It, it's amazing. That's my way to rest. I, I don't know what your way to rest is. Maybe it's curled up in the corner on, of your couch with a good book. Maybe it's binge-watching Netflix. I don't know. All right? Or maybe it's on a, on a golf course. Or maybe it's just sitting out staring at the sky. Or maybe it's laying in bed staring at the ceiling. I don't know what your style of rest is. All I know is that you've got to rest. You've got to stop. God needs you for some great things but he knows that you can't accomplish those great things if you're tired, burnout, exhausted, because guess what you're gonna do? You're gonna quit. If you walk around exhausted, tired, the enemy loves to keep us, keep us busy because he knows the busier he keeps us, the more exhausted we are and the less likely we are to go out to be the witnesses and to do outreach. He wants to keep us busy, church, but God is saying, no, no, I need you to, t- I need you to take some time I need you to take care of yourself. Take some rest. I mean, look at Psalm 23. He maketh me lie down in green pastures. Oh, church, what a picture that is. What a picture that is. It says he makes me lie down. He makes me rest. Church, leave here and take some time for yourself. So step one is we've got to work. Church, I can't emphasize that enough. No one respects laziness, neither does God. He says, church, you're my people and I need you to do some work. But church, I need you to rest. And on your day of rest, listen to me. And, 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 and I'm not trying to, when I talk about the Sabbath day and I'm talking about leaving here and rest and listen to me, I know there are people who have to work on Sundays. If you're listening to this on the recording, I get it. You probably had to work on Sundays. I'm not, I'm not trying to condemn anybody who has to work on Sunday. But if you have to work on a Sunday, find another day. Find a day that you say, okay, this is the day I'm gonna rest. Because I don't want anyone to leave here today, well, preacher, I gotta leave, I gotta go to work after this. I get it. Some of us have to work on Sundays. But find another day. There's nothing wrong with that. All right? Don't feel guilty. Do not let the enemy say, well, you know, the preacher said this. 
And now you gotta feel guilty because you can't rest on Sunday. Find another day, okay? There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. So work, rest, and step number three, when, we're re- when we are talking about honoring the Sabbath, is we've gotta remember. So we've gotta work, we've gotta rest, and on our day of rest, we have to remember. In Deuteronomy chapter five, Moses recaps and he expounds upon the 10 commandments. And the children of Israel, they're camped out. They're getting ready to enter into the promised land and, and Moses gathers the people together and he reminds them who they are. And, and so he goes through the 10 commandments and the fourth commandment, he gives them a second reason to observe the Sabbath day and that was to remember. Church, we gotta remember our Lord and God and what he has done for us. Moses is telling us and, and the New Testament confirms it is the best way to find rest is to remember that your life was given to you by God and you have to remember that you have a relationship with the creator of the universe. Church, that should excite us and that should give us rest knowing that the battles that we're facing, listen to me church, the battles we're facing, we're not doing it by ourselves. The creator of the universe, the most powerful being is by our side. He's ahead of us and he's behind us. You're not doing this alone. You're not doing this by yourself. Listen to what Jesus said in the book of Matthew. He says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Oh, church, you want to find rest. Spend time with Jesus and remember what he has done for you. He took the nails. He took the cross. He took the grave, and he conquered all of it for you and I so we don't have to be bound by the chains of sin, amen? And we can, he says, come to me, and I am the one that will give you rest. Church, the enemy wants to keep you distracted in God. He wants to take care of you. Do you see the difference? The enemy wants to keep you busy so you can't do the Lord's work, and God says, you do my work, and I'm gonna give you some rest. I'm gonna take care of you. God says there's a maintenance required in all of our relationships. In six days, you need to work, and the one day, that's totally different. We need to reserve it. We need to keep it unique. And one day, we need to set apart and rest, and the best way that we can rest is by remembering our love, that the love God has for us and our relationship that he has with us. Church, Remember, God is calling us to work. He's calling us to rest. And he's calling us to remember what he has done for us. Amen. We need to remember, church. We need to remember. God is with us. Who can stand against us, church? Amen. If I can, go ahead and call the worship team back up, and they're going to lead us in song. So as they're working their way up, if you will, stand to your feet with us, church. And let's go to worship.